Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, there's nothing like a bounce back after losing at home. That's what Todd Graham's hallmark has been. And that's what we're looking for this week against Texas Tech on the road. Yeah, well, it was his hallmark um, for the first three, at least. And and you're right, he did. Uh, you know, we had, uh, I, I texted you about one of those examples, um, uh, you know, after we talked last, you know, because it reminded me of how down I was after UCLA in 2014. And we bounced back. We won the next week. We went on to win, uh, you know, nine games in the end game. Um, but it had been as much the hallmark the last couple of years and probably the biggest reason that we're feeling down about things right now. Well, we're taking on a high-powered uh, air raid attack in their one game this year. Texas Tech beat up on Eastern Washington at home 56-10, to passing the ball across three quarterbacks. They were 31 of 35 for 449 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, obviously, the main <laughs> starter is Nick Shimonik. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, so I'm just going to call him Nick. Shimanek, I believe. Shimanek. Yeah, he used to play at Iowa, I guess, yeah. So Shimanek was 26 of 30 for 384 and three touchdowns. You know, there's been some articles that I've seen about how Cliff Kingsbury is trying to save his job through defense and having them be more productive yeah. defensively. This is a team that's going to score runs. That's what they're going to do. Or, I mean, not score oh, sure. runs, score points. And that's what they're going to do, and that's how <laughs> it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Um... You're not going to change your skin overnight, basically. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how their defense holds up in the Big 12, which uh, does have a lot of good offenses and not many good defenses. And, um, you know, it is probably the, you know, you had a first-round pick at quarterback, and they went, I think, 4-8 or 7-7 seven seven last year. We saw that up close. Um, I was I remember being startled by how bad their defense was in that game against us. Um, and how they could not adjust to things that were seemingly easy to adjust to. Um, so maybe they've made gains. You know, Eastern Washington is a pretty good FCS program, admittedly an FCS program, so it's hard to read too much into it. But they've been a, you know, a, a championship contender in that level for a while. They put a beating on them and held them to 10 points. So, um, you know, maybe it's a sign that they're turning things around, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, a less hot seat for Kingsbury than Graham because I think Graham is the contentious or consensus hottest seat in America uh, in the college ranks based on some of the national uh, stories. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And, you know, what Kingsbury has going for him is Texas Tech loyalty. Um, you know, that, that doesn't last forever, but he is, a, you know, he's an alum. He played there. Uh, you know, they had that little period of time between Mike Leach and him where they brought in Tommy Tuberville. Didn't go all that well. And I, and I think, you know, people there like the feeling of still being in that Mike Leach era, even though he's not there. Because um, it, it did, you know, it made Texas Tech more prominent than they'd been. You know, when we were kids, Texas Tech was a walkover. And Leach came in and, and made them at least relevant. Um, and Kingsbury still gives them a kind of a tie to that era. So, yeah, his his seat is hot, but it's not as hot. The thing for ASU is going to be, they are going to be forced, I assume, I guess I shouldn't say that. I assume they will be forced out of their base defense and putting a nickel package in a third corner on the field at least, if not four corners. They have to, yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, going up against an offense that goes five wides a lot, 
there's no way you can get by with playing, you know, four down linemen and three linebackers. That's just not going to work. And, and, you know, we talked about after the first game and, uh, you know, it was tough to find a positive thing to say last week. But, you know, Demarcus Rhodes from a linebacker provides really good coverage. He is a very good coverage linebacker. He was not a good coverage corner. Uh, But but for a linebacker, he has to be more, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, agreed. But that's not going to be enough. You know, I think that we're, you know, obviously Williams and Brian are going to be the starters. It'll be interesting to see if Chase Lucas uh, gets on the field. Uh, you know, Tyler Wiley's obviously dropped way, way, way out of the rotation. Yeah, as, boy, as Maurice Chandler. Um, yeah, but yeah, he hasn't played at all. I mean, um, Darian Cornet, who was playing some first team in practice. I don't know if we've seen him at all on defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, you know, I guess this week we should see who the, you know, number three and four corners are because we haven't yet had to find that out, I guess. This is going to be one of the things that we talked about, about coaching styles and what fans, even of bad or mediocre teams are interested in. They like offense. Well, this is going to be the offensive game probably of the season, um, if last year was any indicator, these teams are going to run the score up real big. I think that the home team will be running up the score a little bit more. So I'm going with Texas Tech 66 to 49. Wow. See, and I'm not sure we can score 49 points. I've not seen that sort of potency offensively yet. Um, you know, we did do it last year. Um, but last year's offense clicked better early in the season, you know, and, and even, you know, you and I have talked about it a bunch and I continue to say it, you know, even in the second half of the year, when things went off the rails, the offense was still pretty productive, not, not as much as it had been early, but still pretty good. Um, this offense doesn't have a, doesn't have a rhythm to it. It, um, you know, for all the talk of having to run the ball, we're going to be this power running team. It's not happened so far this year, anywhere close to that. Um, and you know, you and I talked about Manny Wilkins last week, he's serviceable, but he's not great. And so I think, you know, looking to Manny Wilkins to lead the way to, uh, you know, 40 plus point night, I'm not sure he can do that. So it's one of those where I'm just not sure we can outscore them. Um, and I think you're going to have to do that. I mean, it sounds like an Eric Dickerson analysis, you know, he four more points. Yeah. Um, but they're going to score a lot of points, and I'm not sure we can do that. I, I don't think – I mean, my prediction is more based on volume. I, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where it feels like we're scoring every possession. I just think yeah. that they're going to – I I mean, by my score, I have them scoring on 10 possessions against our defense. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And I think that we can score on seven because I think we'll have 12, 13, 14 yeah. possessions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope that that is true and, and that would give us a chance to win. Um, you know, I, I was I was surprised last year because I made this very same type of pick. I picked Texas Tech because I thought their offense was really good, and it was, and I didn't realize quite how bad their defense was. I also didn't realize we were coming off the NAU game where we didn't really play that well. And I just did think, I mean, you could probably go back and listen. I probably said the same thing last year. I'm not sure we can score enough to outscore them. And we did. Um, now we've got two games in the books. 
and we haven't looked good offensively either game for a consistent amount of time. A drive here, a drive there, not really at all against San Diego State. I never felt like we found a rhythm, a little bit of a rhythm against New Mexico State, but not what I wanted. I mean, not since um, the first possession, first two possessions of yeah, the season. First two possessions, exactly, yeah. You know, and then it did, and then it went stagnant. And then a couple good possessions in the, in the second half, and then it went stagnant again. Um, and you throw in, and this must be Wade, how bad we've been on the road the last two years. And it's the biggest reason for our struggles is we have not won away from home. I believe we have two road wins total in the last two years. One of those was a squeaker at UTSA last year. Uh, so we have not played well on the road. We were incredibly non-competitive on the road last year in our conference games. Um, so it's hard for me to, to be very confident about this one, and I'm not. <laughs> I, <think laughs> I was going to say, it's not, it's not just hard. <laughs> it, it sounds impossible for you to be. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I was to pick a score, I'm going to go a little lower scoring than you. Not much. Uh, I'm not going to go you know, 20 to 10, but um, probably something along the lines of uh, – 49 to 31. Yeah. I, I just I just don't know if we can score enough. Um, and, and, you know, what we're talking to is it's a pretty big unknown with Texas Tech. I mean, Doug Haller and Metcalf made this point. They've only played one game. They've played an FCS team. So what are they? You know, they, we don't know much. Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen enough of them to know. Is their defense really improved? Because if it has, that's a deeper concern. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be bad. A couple of things to keep an eye on this week. Um, we heard that John Humphrey got injured and he is questionable, but it's not season ending, which for those of you keeping score at home is the exact same thing we heard about Christian Sam after he got hurt against NAU and never played again. Uh-huh. Uh, and a little bit like Armand Perry two years ago. Same thing. Yeah, we've, we've had this before, so we'll see. I'll believe he's coming back when he's back on the field in uniform. But Ryan Newsom is expected to be cleared to play, which, you know, it would be nice to have the full complement of guys, but getting him to step in for Humphrey and then still having Harry and Harvey and Darby yeah. should put us in yeah. a somewhat, you know, respectable position with our receiving core still. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I listened to Haller's podcast, like I mentioned, and you know, he talked about how, you know, Manny didn't have a 50-yard-plus touchdown pass all year last year. He's got three so far this year. And I thought, well, I find that a bit misleading because one of those is that third and 37, you know, Hail Mary pass that was completed last week, which, you know, look, it, it counts, but it wasn't an ideal offensive situation to be in. Um, you can't count on that, you know, happening regularly. And one of those was a complete busted coverage by New Mexico State. Now, the one to Humphrey in week one was a really good throw, good route, all that. Um, and also, you know, you also, I mean, he made the point, you can't count on that regularly. you got to be able to move the ball, and we haven't done enough consistently moving the ball. Um, you know, a couple of our drives where we scored have been one or two plays. That's great, but you can't count on that against better opponents. And that's what we start facing this week and certainly – the next week and they're on one of the big issues that seems to be generating attention from the asu media and it's something that we've talked about quite a bit is the offensive line which was thought to be a strength a lot of returners and you know a chance to gel 
is now in complete disarray again. We're, yeah. you know, we've yanked yeah. Cole Cabral off of the tackle position, and he's going to play center now, even though both of the guys who played center last season are still with the team. Um, yeah. They're moving Zach Robertson to tackle when he has been playing as a guard his entire collegiate career. Now, he did come in with the idea that he was a high school tackle and that he could move out there. Right. But, you know, this is one of those things. We don't have continuity, but we're replacing guys who the coaching staff feels are unproductive. And also one of the points that I think Doug Haller made in his podcast, which is the Pick 6 podcast, if anyone who's listening to this wants more ASU talk than what we provide, I highly right. recommend that one. Right. <laughs> um, but the point he made was they're getting nothing from their tight end blocking either. True, true. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about the struggles – from Manny and the struggles running the ball, you can tie both in to, you know, difficulty on the offensive line. Um, you know, there's there's other factors there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it has not been a very high-performing group so far. And, you know, I made the point last week in regard to other spots, but, you know, you'd think that these were the weeks to look good. You know, I mean, play, especially playing New Mexico State, that's your week to look physically dominant and imposing and, and, you know, dominate the game, and, and we just have it. Um, you know, a lot of preseason talk about this is the most physical, you know, camp we've had, and we're going to be tougher on both sides of the line. And, you know, right now, through two games, that just falls into another one of those Todd Graham bluster categories because it hasn't been proven true yet on the field. I agree. Now, one last thing, uh, takeaway from the last game, and I'm wondering what kind of impact it'll have moving forward, is on the running game, now obviously we just talked about the issues with the O-line, but uh, Rocky Long, the coach for San Diego State, said, well, it's obvious ASU can't run because of the formations that they line up in. It makes it impossible for their running backs. Um, Now, this is obviously taken with a huge grain of salt of a guy whose team controlled the line of scrimmage and whose offense utilizes a fullback and a tight end in the run-blocking scheme, which ASU does neither. But, Matt, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, obviously, Demario Richard is, as far as I'm concerned, still a question. I know that people seem to think he's going to, you know, probably suit up, but, you know... If it's not working, what what can we do at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, and and Rocky Long's point was interesting, and he was almost sort of letting letting him off the hook in some ways by saying, you know, well, it's a spread offense, and spread offenses struggle to run the ball. Well, that that's not true. Uh, you know, a lot of them don't try. A lot of them, you know, but a team like Oregon has had a ton of success being a spread offense over the years, running the ball. Uh, so you can run the ball being a spread. And I mean, in fact, the theory behind it generally is, Hey, you spread the defense out and you put, you know, four receive, you know, four wide outs out there and you, you know, open up the middle of the defense and you can run right at them. Uh, you have to have blockers to do that though. And we haven't done that. And, you know, yeah, you're right. Richard has barely played. He's got one carry so far this year. Um, Balazs apparently was banged up some in the second half against San Diego state. Which is but, garbage that you know, they didn't play Eno Benjamin again. Exactly. And, and Graham says after the game, you know, I wish we'd played him. Well, are, are you coaching the team? I mean, stuff like that kind of makes me scratch my head when I hear those comments like, you're the head coach. If you wish played him, then get him in the game. And I, I realize other things, you know, happen in the heat of the moment. And, 
we all have regrets. I mean, I, I get it, you know, in life, we don't always do the things we wish and a lot of, but hearing that was kind of like, man, well, okay, then get him in the game. I mean, is someone telling you not to? You're the head coach. Uh, it's stuff like that that really has me puzzled. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll see more of him this week. Um, but having not seen him at all last week, it's hard for me to believe too much in that. Yeah. Well, it'll so be interesting. So what's the fix? I don't know. I don't know if there's a fix. Um, play better. You know, that's really the fix. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's one of the things I, I was watching the game a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Arkansas last week, and they struggled. And, and the announcers made the point, like, there's, there's no agency fix in college football. You've got the guys you got, and you just have to get better or you're going to be struggling, and that's the situation we're in too. Yeah. Ideally, this will turn around, but this is not the – a road test against a high-powered offense is not where I would expect the turnaround to begin. No, no. And, and then when does it? You know, as we've discussed, the schedule doesn't get easier after this. Uh, you know, does it turn around at home against Oregon, team we haven't beat in over a decade, who looks to have rediscovered their offense at least? Does it turn around at Stanford? Probably not. Then you got a, you know, three-week stretch of Washington at Utah, USC. That's a tough place to turn things around. So it's tough. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not an easy spot coming up where you say, all right, this is a chance for us to get healthy and we'll figure this thing out. You're going to have to figure it out through tough times. So let's pivot and talk a little bit about what's going on in the rest of college football. I think the marquee game of the weekend is going to be that uh, Louisville-Clemson uh, game, which is conveniently airing at the same time as ASU-Texas Tech. So if you, yeah. you, know, if you get Both bored with one, you can put them on. At the yeah, they, they moved it because Miami-Florida State got postponed. So, yeah, that game was supposed to be at 1230 in the afternoon Pacific, but no such luck now. It's right against it. So I think it's going to be interesting. We've talked about it. I know the attention is picked up elsewhere about, oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman last yeah. year. He's still playing in college, and he's still really good. Yeah. This will yeah. be an interesting test for Clemson, who obviously has looked good in their national title defense so far. Um, yeah. Do you, have, yeah. A, do you this... have a strong feeling about how this game will go at Louisville? Well, I, I think, you know, having – Watched enough football over the years, and you fall in love with offense, and I'm guilty of it. But many, many times when the sexy offense goes against a powerful defense, it's the powerful defense that wins. And Clemson seems to have a really powerful defense, especially in the front. And this is the type of defense that Louisville really struggled with at the end last year. You know, going LSU in the bowl game, Houston had the good defensive line with Ed Oliver, and they beat him. Um, they exposed a lot of the difficulties that Louisville had. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see have they made um, enough adjustments because, what you know, I, I think I texted you over the weekend. You know, one of the themes of this early part of the year seems to be, for me, that a lot of places we thought, you know, we heard, well, this is going to be different this year. We've fixed things. And the same problems exist. Auburn's offense, uh, Ohio State's offense, ASU's defense to an extent, you know, that's not a big national conversation, but, you know, it's hard to fix your problems in one offseason, and we'll find out if Louisville has done enough of that against a pretty good Clemson defensive line. Yeah, I think that Clemson will win because defense travels. 
But I yep, think it'll be a good I game. Uh, I think it's going to oh, be one too. of those things where I think Louisville will hit Clemson in the mouth early, but they will right the ship fast enough to be able to overcome it and win the game. Yeah. It, it's an interesting contrast to Styles because, you know, Louisville's defense hasn't looked real good against Purdue and against North Carolina. Not been very good. But Clemson's offense certainly struggled last week against Auburn. So you kind of you think, well, can they – you know, can they get going enough offensively, especially on the road? But I just think, their, man, their defense looks fierce. A D-line may have four NFL guys on it. Uh, I mean, the guy, the kind of forgotten guy, Austin Bryant, last week has four sacks. You know, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, they're probably first-round picks in the future. Cleveland Farrell was a you know breakout star of the playoff last year. I mean, that's a loaded defensive line. And I think they'll be the difference. Uh, you know, I just don't think Louisville's offensive line is good enough. And, you know, Lamar Jackson is really good, but he's got to be able to run the ball to be successful. I'm not sure he's a guy who you can have him throw it 45 times and run it five times and, and get by with it. And I don't think he's going to have that much success running against them. Do you have a final prediction on that game? Score? Yeah. Um probably go a little lower scoring uh, you know 20 27 to 20 something like that i was i was in the same neighborhood i'm gonna say 24 21 clemson okay yeah yeah i mean i think it'll be a competitive game obviously being at louisville their first game at home this year you know and and having come so close to winning last year if the guy doesn't you know go out of bounds on his own they get a first and goal they probably win that game and who knows where the season ends up for both teams. Um, you know, so they'll be motivated. But, uh, you know, I think Clemson's offense, certainly, I mean, you saw it last week. You're going to see it other times. He lost a lot from last year, but the defense might be good enough to make up for it. Like they, I, you know, especially now seeing Florida State with the injury to Francois, I mean, the door is open for Clemson to win the ACC again and get back to the playoff, which would be, an, I mean, it's early, but would be a really impressive feat if they could do this after losing so much on offense. I agree. It'll be an interesting uh, season in the ACC now with Florida State, yeah. uh, you know, obviously handicapped without and, Francois. And I don't want to give up on Florida State. I mean, it, it's it's a strange situation for them because they lose, and now they're going to have two off weeks in a row, so, um, you know, not play their next game until week four. Um, so kind of a bizarre, you know, stretch for them. But, you know, theoretically, it does – give them a you know a little more time to get this kid ready to play um and and be ready because you know then it's then it's every week their bye week's gone now because they moved the miami game so it, it doesn't stop for them now starting in week four all the way to the end of the year yeah it, it's gonna be tough um and we'll we'll talk about the impact of the bye week issue in the nfl in a little bit but the, yeah. the, the other college yeah. game the last one i want to touch on i know that florida and tennessee is a top 25 matchup and I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about Texas USC, not because I think it's going okay, to be good, particularly. Because I was going to say, I'm not letting this conversation end with mentioning Texas USC. I, I don't think it's going to be a particularly compelling game. I think that USC is going to beat them. My issue, and I'll let you go wherever you want with this, but my issue is with storyline. There is a lot of yeah. talk about, oh, this is a chance to uh, right a wrong from the national title. Right. And USC is going to get revenge. None of these guys were there. None of these guys were no. in high school. Um, not only not there, yeah, most of them were. I mean, let's not, the oldest guy on this team 
was probably, what, 11 when this game was played? So it's, yeah, it's not a rematch. It's a, it's a new game between these two teams, and it's good to go down the nostalgia road, but it's not a rematch. No, and, and I think that Texas fans would still, you know, 100 times out of 100, trade their four losses historically to USC for that national oh title win. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't think doubt, anybody, I mean, and, anybody cares other than it's, it's going to be interesting and fun to see the Vince Young highlights and to see the sure, USC cheerleader sure. who inadvertently raises her arms to signal touchdown when Texas scored the touchdown uh, <laughs> in, in celebration sure, that mean, was misplaced. But after that, yeah, you know, you know it, for, this for me, is, it's tremendous nostalgia, you know, uh, as I mean, it is still the greatest game I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I get, you know, I get bumps just thinking about that game. It was an incredible game. And, and so, you know, being able to go down memory lane this week with them playing is pretty cool. Um, think Fox, I gotta give Fox credit. The commercial hyping up the game, really good. They have done a good job with the, with the promotion, even though, no, it's not a rematch, but they did good with that. But yeah, ultimately, um, you know, if USC wins by 35 points, did they get revenge? No. The national championship from 2005 is still Texas, and it will always be. Well, and in fact, USC didn't play any games in 2005. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't even want to go down the road of how stupid that is because we could talk forever about that. We have before. Um, but, yeah, you know, the game was played, and, and uh, it was, like I said, still one of, if not the best games I've seen. For me, I can't think of one resonates more. A game that I have seen start to finish probably 10 times and could watch it another 10 times, you know, the next 10 days and not get tired of it. Yeah. I, I think this year's iteration is going to be less exciting and less interesting. Well, I, yeah. I mean, first of all, there's, there's not the national championship on the line. Secondly, Texas is probably not at that level. Um, the one wild card I would say is Tom Herman loved to play the underdog role at Houston. He gets his teams up for the underdog role. Saw it against Oklahoma last year. Saw it against Louisville. Saw it against Florida State in the bowl game. So, you know, I'll be interested to see. Do they come out firing? Because he did a good job playing that role at Houston. You're not going to get to play that role much at Texas, but this is one week where you can. Do you think Texas has more than a puncher's chance? Not really. No, not after what I saw from USC last week. I was incredibly impressed by USC last week. Uh, I thought their offense was so good and their defense was better. And, and it was, to me, it was good enough for them to win the PAC 12 and get to the playoff. They don't have to be dominant on defense because they've got a good enough offense. And, and I was really impressed by them. So no, I don't, um, you know, if it was at Texas, I'd feel different, you know, and next year it will be, and maybe Texas will be better at that point too. And, and Darnold will be, will be gone. <laughs> Darnold will probably be gone. And, yeah. I mean, so, so, yeah, there's, there's uh, a few elements that might play into their hands more next year when they meet again. This year, probably not. I agree. I think that this is going to wind up a three-touchdown win for USC. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, I know USC was shaky week one, but, boy, they looked good last week. And, I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of Oklahoma. I know everybody is raving about how good Oklahoma looked. I can't really say, but – Man, USC looked good last week, and and good enough where I think, yeah, this team can win the whole thing, potentially. Are there any other games you want to talk about from the college ranks before we pivot to the well, NFL? Well, 
only one I have my eye on, and it's kind of just because we're now five weeks away from our visit to the Grove, but Ole Miss going out west to play Cal in a little Pac-12 after dark action will be an interesting one. I'm, I'm anxious to see how they play against a better opponent than what they faced the first two weeks. I think that will be an interesting game. Um, I, I, you know, Cal is going to have to deal with the fact that their leading rushers now out uh, for the season. Yeah. But they're at home. Memphis or uh, Ole Miss does not traditionally travel west or north, so this no. will be a little interesting for them. This game is going to kick off, I believe, at what ten o'clock? Seven seven thirty our time. So yeah, it'll be. It'd be 9.30 their time locally. Yeah, so that is going to be different because this is a program that even when they were in their highest highs, their primetime games were in that 7 o'clock central slot. Right, right. Yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting test. And, you know, for them, it's it's one I look at, I mean, looking realistic goals for them. You know, after this, they have a bye week, but then I believe they play Alabama and Auburn consecutively on the road. So this is a game you feel like you want to get. Uh, because, you know, you're probably going to lose those two, barring, you know, a heroic performance or something like that. Uh, and, and you know, you go 3-0 and into the SEC, and maybe, you, you know, okay, maybe you drop those two, but you beat Vandy the week before they play LSU. If they're 4-2 and going into that game, there's no shame in that it, it keeps alive a chance to maybe win, you know, eight-plus games this year for them. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a fun game. It'll be interesting. Coach O is no stranger, obviously, to the Pac-12. Um, so he'll at least know well, what Coach, to expect. Coach O's at LSU. I'm sorry, I'm it. sorry. You're going back. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> I was going to say, don't remind Ole Miss fans of the Coach O days. They're not yeah. going to enjoy that. No, that's uh, that's my bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, we will see Coach O at Ole Miss, but he will not be uh, walking the Ole Miss sideline. And they'll probably be about that. Sorry. That's on me. There's, That's okay. I, I have no That's excuse. Okay. If we were, if we were better, I would just edit all of this out. But it whatever, it happens. We're, hey, we just, all say wrong thing, and I, I get it. I know where you're coming from. Um, all right, let's shake it off. Let's reset. Uh, yes. Let's yes. Move, let's move and talk about the NFL. Uh, before we dive in, Pat Richardson, when he did his Browns preview, did promise that he was going to send updates uh, as he watched Browns games. And his takeaway, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of distill it down, but he did actually write an email summarizing it. Um, you know, his, he points out that in his first series of caring about Browns football, they went for negative nine yards on three plays and then had a block punt return for a touchdown. Yeah, it was an inauspicious start. But uh, he's really buying into the Browns fandom. I, if I, this is his concluding paragraph. I gather that Pittsburgh in week one and Baltimore in week two are both rivalry games, so let's so onward. I'm predicting five wins this year, and it is so, so funny to me that I'm probably being suckered into unjust optimism and also that five wins would be a huge, a huge coup for this team and also would probably be a bad idea because it's a much more valuable draft pick to have uh, if it's higher. So... <laughs> Uh, he's bought in, he's drinking the Browns fans and really any fandom Kool-Aid by deciding that he wants to go, uh, with five wins. I'm impressed by what they did. I I thought it looked like a a solid defensive effort against the full complement of Steelers players. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, 
you know, look, it's the NFL, and and I don't want to be patronizing to them or sound that way, but they were competitive. And last year, there were several games that they were not competitive. Um, they did play well on defense. I thought Kaiser looked looked good at times. Took too many sacks, um, and that's something you know that was a problem for him at Notre Dame too. He's going to have to adjust and you know learn to get the ball out and and not you know rely on his athleticism. Um, but you know, showed some hope, and that's the big thing for them. I mean, they're not they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. Um, what you want to see from them after a one in fifteen campaign last year is hope. And and you know, after one week, I think they gave you a little bit of that. So let's talk about some of our other week one observations. I, I want to start with the rookie running backs. Uh, obviously. Yeah. You know, it started off with a bang on Thursday with the Chiefs, but Jacksonville yeah. got some good run from their rookie, Minnesota, with Cook. Um, you know, probably the most disappointing of the highly touted rookies was McCaffrey. Um, and Who still had a decent game, yeah. Uh, but yeah, not the highlight reel. The Fournette certainly looked good. Um, you know, he, he looked like he can be and like he was at times like you. Um, and their, boy, their defense was fearsome. Wow. I mean... I don't know how much it means, but they they sent a little message in week one that maybe they should be taken a little bit more seriously than we've taken them the last several years. I'll say this. A defense that good makes it a lot easier to turn around and hand the ball off 25 times. Sure does. <laughs> That's the way they want to play. I mean, that, that you know, Doug Marone said in preseason, and I think, he, you know, he's being sarcastic that people took it literally, that, you know, his ideal game would be to never throw the ball. And, yeah, when you can rush the passer like that and you've got a good secondary with two good corners and you've got a running back who's a workhorse, um, I mean, that's the recipe. Can it can it take him to the playoffs? I'm not sure. But, you know, and, and it's week one. You know, there, we do have to remember last year, week one, San Francisco pitched a tweet nothing shut out. Um, you know, two years ago, I believe Tennessee won big in week one. Or three years ago, won big at Kansas City. They ended up going like two and 14. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to overreact, but they did look better than I would have expected. Do you think they are the most likely team to not win again? Who won in week one? Uh, well, geez, who else won the Rams? in week one? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the Rams. Uh, I mean, here's the, I guess it's hard. Is there a team I think is really going to go 1-15? No. Um, I think the Rams, I told you, and it's early, I don't want to toot my own horn yet, but I told you I thought Goff would look more confident with good coaching. And after one week, he did. And we'll see if that holds up. Um, you know, I guess you'd probably be one of them. But it's hard right now because I, I think both of them showed enough, not to say they're going to the playoffs, but that they could maybe, you know, contend, go around 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, I, I think probably. I mean, that AFC South, 8-8 eight and eight might be good enough given the, ha- it could. the, the hapless, laughable Colts without uh, yeah. Andrew Luck. I, I, if Boy. they don't go to Jacoby Brissett this week, that is uh, – I mean, They almost have to. That's telling uh, your team I mean, that it's okay, we're not going to win. Because when you yeah. when you bench Tolzien, he's not going to get any better. This is Scott Tolzien. No, <laughs> no. I mean, you, you used the term last Sunday morning when we talked of coaching malpractice. As I was watching that game, I thought, this is a, this is a good example of that. He is overmatched. He's not a starting quarterback. I'm not even sure he's a number two. Uh, you got to go to Brissett just to see what he can do. I mean, what do you have to lose? Uh, you know, you, another performance like that should not be even considered. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, other interesting notes from 
the league the first week. I mean, some serious injuries. One one happening to Jacksonville with the uh, torn ACL right. for Allen Robinson, which is really too bad because it was a contract year. Um, yeah. And at a minimum, he was looking at a at a hefty franchise tag. And now, mm-hmm. you know, if his rehab goes well, then somebody will give him, you know, a one year prove it deal, or he can yeah. sign a long term deal for a lot less than he would have made if he had been healthy. Right. Right. True. Yeah. I mean, that was a tough one to see, obviously, you know, and it could hurt them, you know, if they are going to be kind of an overachieving team. Obviously, the one that's making headlines here is the David Johnson injury, which has him on the shelf for probably the first half of the year, at least. Um, You know, I'm not sure how they'll compensate. He was such a big part of what they did last year that you'd think it's a pretty significant loss. Well, given what they did in the collapse against the Lions, uh, yeah, yeah, and the thing is, they weren't good offensively in that game at all. I mean, even mm-hmm. when David was playing, first two and a half quarters, uh, you know, the first touchdown they scored was an interception return. The second score they had was, you know, they got the ball inside the 15 because the Lions punter fumbled the snap and tried to, you know, run for a first down, ended up tearing his ACL in the process. Um, so they weren't good offensively in that game at all. They put together one drive at the start of the half, but the offense was rough, and and uh, but now without David Johnson, it's hard to see how they get things turned around. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, Kerwin Williams and bringing back in uh, Chris Johnson, CJ. Chris Johnson, <laughs> the the corpse of Chris Johnson returns again. He uh, is also an extra in The Walking Dead because his career will not die, <laughs> and certainly not in Arizona. I mean, the, the ups and downs that that guy's had from, you know, big start 2015, he gets hurt and thinking that's probably it. They wait a long time to re-sign him. He gets hurt early last year and that's probably it. They finally bring him back. They cut him and start a training camp. Then he's comes back. I mean, they can't quit Chris Johnson, apparently. Yeah, and then uh, for the Phoenix locals, the happy news is DJ Foster has returned yeah. to the Valley. Uh, that was a move to sign him off of the – Patriots practice squad. He's got yeah. himself a Super Bowl ring from the Patriots, and now he's got a chance to uh, maybe see the field a little bit more playing. In yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a cool thing for him, obviously. You know, played high school ball here and college ball here, and I'm sure ASU, you know, if uh, ASU was feeling better about themselves, they'd be loving this news. Uh, they got their own problems to worry about. But, uh, we, you know, you and I talked when we went to the opener. Todd Graham loves him some DJ Foster, so I'm sure he's excited by this news. Yeah, well, it, you, you brought it up, and we didn't talk about it on the ASU part, but let's circle back to it here. Um, they got their own problems, including that their Twitter feed is asking fans to direct uh. their hatred to the uh, official ASU football <laughs> Twitter feed and not at student-athletes. Based on yeah. the reporting that's been done and some of the you know, sources say, it appears that it was mm-hmm. mostly directed at Manny Wilkins. Um, yeah, and as and you I'm talked sure about, when I you're mean, the quarterback, you get blamed better or worse. You do. <laughs> yep, yep. You get too much credit and too much blame, and when things are going rough, you're going to get the blame. And you know, I'm not immune to it. I do it too. I don't. I don't tweet nasty insults to guys, but you know, I do watch games and think, boy, that quarterback stinks. And you know, and there's times I have to bring myself back to reality and thinking, there's more problems than just the quarterback. He's not the only reason. Um, yeah, the the. The Twitter thing, I mean, look, the intention behind it, there's there's nothing wrong with the intention behind it. 
because do I think that people should be tweeting, you know, you suck at, at guys and, you know, I hope you die? No, of course not. And I don't think most reasonable people would say you should. But by doing that, I think you've just drawn attention to something that didn't need to have attention drawn to it. That I couldn't agree with more. The ability on Twitter, from what I gather, to mute or block people, it's pretty simple. Um, yeah. our, our Twitter feed doesn't have enough followers for that to matter. But if it did, <laughs> we would be muting or blocking all of the hate that we would get. I'm sure that I would get a lot of it from my Coach O flub just now. But it's, you know. It's, our old Miss fans would be just on your case nonstop. And, and look, if they're listening, which they're not, you know, tell me about it in person in Oxford. I'll be there. We'll, sure, yeah. sure, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean. But I, know, look, uh, like I'm a said, professional. I'm an adult. I, I, I mean, right. I'm not a professional right. like this, but I'm a professional. If you want to take shots at me, I guess I have the wherewithal to deal with it. And maybe we, yeah. I, we put too much on these kids who are 19, 20 years old to take the abuse of pissed off alumni it's, but i mean it's tough it's tough because there's a part of me that says look they are adults these are not you know we're not talking about little league baseball here they are adults they get a lot of of fame and and praise if things are going well and so you know man up and deal with that said there's a line there i mean you know do i think that it's wrong for fans to boo no i don't um, do I think that it's wrong for a fan to go on someone's Twitter and say, you know, I wish you were dead because you suck as a quarterback? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, like I said, I think I would hope about 99% of the population would agree. But, you know, as always, Twitter brings out the worst in us and the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so we notice the, the crazies who have to say something ridiculous. But by ASU doing what they did, all they did was highlight that. And I don't think it needed to be highlighted. Yeah, and based on our conversation earlier and our thoughts on how this season might unfold, that they might not have wanted to just draw the ire of all of the angry fans to that Twitter feed. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the fact of the matter is that you're one and one. And yeah, I mean, you and I and a lot of other people are looking ahead and seeing this season slip off the rails. But I don't think you want the mentality to be at one and one. Well, we know you're going to be down on us, but directed at like, I mean. I would I would project more of a uh, chip or remain calm all is well sort of approach than you know preparing for disaster at one and one. You and I can do that, and media could do that, and fans could do that. But I, I the, the official Twitter account of the program, I'm not sure that's a great look. Well, and this might be exactly like Chip Diller because right after <laughs> we say remain calm all is well, we might get steamrolled, <laughs> get uh, trampled. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> I just, again, I, I think so many times, it's not just this, I think a lot of things in the world today, you know, we draw attention to things that simply don't need to be, have attention drawn to them. Then we get riled up about it, and I'm thinking, you know, if we just ignore this, we wouldn't be talking about it. Because it's going to happen regardless. Whether you post that tweet or not, it's not going to, the people who think it's right to do, to go on to an athlete's Twitter account and say nasty things at them, are not going to be swayed by that tweet. They're not. You know, I mean, like, nobody's going to read that and think, you know what, ASU football, you're right. I'm not going to be mean to Manny Wilkins on Twitter. No, if you think that's right to do, you're doing it anyway. Yeah. And, in fact, now you just add ASU football to those angry tweets. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I just – 
I don't know that you've accomplished anything good by doing it. And I do believe you've accomplished bad by, again, highlighting it and, and drawing attention to yourself nationally for the fact that your football Twitter account has to run and say, no, be mean to us. Don't be, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know who runs the football Twitter account. Um, but I don't think it was a good idea. You know, I'm not, look, I'm not always right. I don't profess to be an expert on, you know, media and how you handle it. Nobody is. Um, but I just think that one was a misfire on their part. Well, nobody's an expert, but a lot of people will profess to be. Um, yeah, they will. They will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's, that's a point that I didn't even really think about until right now. It's like, are you going, I mean, is there one single person that's dissuaded by that, 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 you know, the type of people who will go on and, and send nasty tweets at athletes and I doubt it. I mean, because if you had enough common sense, you know, to not do that in the first place, you wouldn't. And, and so reading that, I just, I kind of doubt there's very many, if any, who will think like, yeah, you're right, football ASU. I won't do that. I'll send them all to you. You've convinced me. Yeah. Is there a is there a hug emoji that we can send football ASU? <laughs> I, I, I don't I we don't know emojis, it. but I feel like if there yeah, is, I don't it, know either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just um, I think it's it's one of those that uh, you know so many times. I mean, today I'm I'm you know driving home and I'm listening to the PTI podcast and they start talking about the you know Carmelo's riled up about his position on NBA rank and I'm thinking just ignore it. Why do we care? You know, I, I mean, who cares, Carmelo? Who cares? You know, like, we don't have to pay attention to these lists. The lists exist, and that's great. They're entertaining. But we get so riled up about things that we just don't need to get riled up by. And I think this is another one. You're not going to change it, so just leave it alone. Ignore it. And, and you know, bury it in the dark and hope it goes away. Or put it on the soles of your shoes to taunt people. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's he's such a baby, but yeah, whatever. We're talking about Kevin Durant for people who we are talking about Kevin Durant, catching yeah. the uh, subtlety. And I I want to like him because of his Texas you know background and all of that, but my God, he just he needs a lot of ego massage, doesn't he? And if somebody else isn't going to do it, he's going to do it for himself. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Uh, but we he have is the modern athlete in every way, shape, and form. And, you know, every piece of criticism is like the worst thing in the world. He can't take it. All you are to me. We have really lost the thread on the NFL, but that's okay. We have. That's uh, all right, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the overall takeaway was a surprising lack of scoring to me in the NFL. Uh, yeah. In week yeah, one, and I mean, defenses being significantly further ahead than offenses, it felt like. Yeah, and, and, you know, people will draw the conclusion, and there might be a conclusion, you know, a, a dot connecting to be done. That, you know, is this because teams aren't playing much in the preseason? And so they go out there, and the first time you're playing, you know, and I think it's fair to say offense is more reliant on rhythm than defense. Um, offense, you need, you know, everybody to kind of be on the same page um, to make it work, and maybe teams aren't getting enough reps. I don't know. Uh you know, that's just a guess on my part. But, yeah, a lot of offenses definitely did not look very good, including some that are usually very good. New Orleans, New England, uh, you know, the, the better offenses in the league that really didn't look it in week one. And, you know, we'll see if they can get it righted. I'm 
thinking they probably can. Um, but yeah, week one was kind of rough. That is all of the topics I have the time or inclination to go to. But Matt and I will be back. We'll talk Sunday, uh, recapping the Texas Tech game. Maybe we'll do it Saturday night, but even if we do, you won't see it till Sunday morning probably. Right. Anyway, uh, hope you guys all have a good weekend. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. Pat Richardson's going to keep watching the Browns. And this is the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>